Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Brazil. This is the show where we get to talk about sports. We get to talk about business. We get to talk about everything in between. For everybody out there listening, please, whatever platform you're on, you know what to do. Like it on YouTube, subscribe on that page, five-star review on Apple. I don't really know what you even do on Spotify if you're listening there. So appreciate everybody out there listening because we have another great show. Today I have Matthew Raidbart. He is a college athletics administrator, author of Lead Like a Pro, which I'm very excited to get to chat about, and founder of Raidbart Sports Leadership Consulting. Matthew, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. Really excited to be here. Thanks for having me on, Michael pleasure is all mine this is my favorite thing i get to do so you give you you're giving me 45 minutes a half hour whatever it ends up being to let me do my favorite thing in the entire world so no the pleasure is all mine matthew and as you know as everybody knows who's listening pretty much the first question we have for everybody on the for the love of sports podcast is why do you love sports so much yeah you know sports is just it's something that brings everybody together um, for me, I just always love being part of a team. Uh, growing up, I always, I always was, you know, drawn to team sports. Um, never really played kind of the individual sports very much, but it was always team sports, soccer, basketball, and just being part of a team. I just, I love the camaraderie. I love, you know, when, when you, you make that perfect pass or, and you get that look from your teammates and you're just in sync and, just from a young age, it was just always sports, sports, sports for me and just wanting to be part of a team. Yeah, and being part of a team, every team needs, most teams, good teams, great teams need a leader. So I'm excited to talk about that in a little bit. But obviously, you've you've been a part of many teams. Uh, you know, as, I've, as I alluded to, college athletics administrator, uh, I, I didn't even put down your a, a Division One basketball coach in, in, in some capacity at multiple different schools. I guess let's start with basketball before we kind of dive into the coaching and the administrating. What what is it about basketball? I mean, you're talking about that perfect pass, the in sync, right? There's something about basketball. I think the great Michael Scott uh, compares it to jazz, right? There's some improvisation. There's some fun stuff going on. So what is it for you about the sport of basketball that led you down this career path of, of college athletics? You know what I love about basketball is that that no matter what your skill level is or your height or you you could always find a role for yourself. So I was never the most skilled. You know, I, I'm not the tallest. I don't have the greatest hand-eye coordination, but I, I could always find a way to to contribute to the team. You know, I was always somebody who you know I kind of always relied on toughness, scrappiness. I'll take a charge. I'll dive for the ball you know, do those type of things and can kind of find a way in the sport and, and contribute to the team the way, you know, my teammates who had more skills might score more or whatever it was that, that people are paying more attention to, but I could always find a way to contribute. Whereas I felt like in other sports, sometimes, you know, the people who aren't as skilled can get more lost. You could still make a big impact in basketball. And so even though I, I wasn't the greatest basketball player, I was able to play it for a long time and have a lot of fun because I just kind of found what my niche was. There's something about the sport of basketball too, right? That comes down to like grittiness, tenaciousness. And it's, it's as much as you say, and, and, you know, it, the skill level is necessary. I was absolutely terrible at basketball. So I never tried to shoot the ball like ever. And all I would try and do is just be really good at defense. And I wasn't really good, but I would try to be good. And it would kind of yeah. come out, right? There's something about the sport of basketball where that, 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 I guess I'll just go back to that word tenacity 
really allows you, as you said, to still be a part of the team, still contribute without being able to even shoot or even pass that well, right? Yeah, you know, it's a sport where you can get a lot on kind of guts and grid and persistence. And, um, you know, that that's always kind of been my my thing, both, you know, when I played sports and also professionally was just trying to do whatever it took to kind of, you know, stick around, be a part of the team, you know, create a spot for myself. And I think a lot of that kind of came up as I was playing basketball younger and just kind of figuring out a way all my friends were maybe better or they had found their sports and and just trying to find a way to stick with it and kind of do what it took to kind of be a part of the team, contribute and and really feel that sense of camaraderie. Yes, that's also nice too, right? That's the cool thing about team sports. Y'all share in the wins. Of course, y'all share in the losses, which sometimes make it a little easier, a little worse, depending on the situation, right? So I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, when did it hit you you weren't going pro, I guess? And when did you realize that, hey, maybe playing wasn't my my way into this sport, but maybe coaching was a better avenue moving forward. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where growing up, I was always on the tall side. Um, you know, I, I had my growth spurt early. I was, you know, everybody's looking up to me. I was the center on the basketball team. And in eighth grade, I was six feet tall and I never grew another inch. Oh, one of those. And, yeah, we all yep. know a couple kids like that, right? Yep. And, you know, I, I got to high school. Everybody kind of kept growing. I'm playing a little bit. And I just looked around and I was like, you know, I, I, now I'm a, a six foot center and, and you know, I, I can't jump that high and I didn't don't have great skills. And so this this kind of persistence, guts and glory thing is only going to take me so far. But I always loved kind of the the inside of it, like the coaching aspect. I always wanted to kind of know why coaches were doing things, why they were asking us to do things. I was just always naturally curious about it. And I always loved the NCAA tournament and, you know, like a lot of people, um, but my obsession honestly was, you know, a lot of people are obsessed with the NCAA tournament itself, which I obviously loved, but I was always obsessed since I was like six or eight years old with the, the championship week beforehand. And I would always, every year, I mean, my, my dad had to know that I, I just got sick every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every year during championship week because I loved watching a small division one college teams win their conference tournament that only had one bid and run to the floor and the coach would be going crazy and all the players. And I just gravitated towards that. And so I, when I kind of started in high school and I realized, you know, I don't really like it as much anymore. I'm not getting as much out of it. I'm not really contributing as much. I started looking for ways to transition into coaching to try to continue to kind of put together kind of a basketball career championship week is I, I, I like people pay attention to it right basketball fans know about championship week and everybody knows about the tournament but you're a hundred percent correct championship week is so 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 much fun obviously we didn't have it a couple years ago this last year was fun but there you know there's still yeah. there's still some left to be desired obviously we want fans in the stands and everything so i'm hoping and uh, crossing my fingers that 2022 is going to be a little bit different, but mm -hmm. there's just something about championship week, man. It's just so much fun. And, and looking at the list of schools here that you spent some time, Western New Mexico, Dartmouth, uh, FGCU. What, what was that? What was their nickname? They had a pretty sweet nickname back in the day. Dunk city. If I'm not saying something like that. Yep. Dunk city. Yep. I, uh, and, go ahead. No, no. And I was going to say Chicago state, which isn't dunk city. So please go back to the story you're about to tell. Yeah. You know, it, um, 
it was interesting. I kind of bounced around a little bit early in my career, and I was um, I was at Florida Gulf Coast about two. I was there two years before all that happened. So it was so awesome seeing all like guys that I had coached. You know, That's guys that awesome. were there when I was there, and and seeing them have success in the tournament. It was just unbelievable. It was. It was really, it felt, I, I mean, making the tournament is a different feeling, but kind of, it really felt like I was kind of tangentially there because I had coached some of those guys and knew them and I was just so happy for them. So it was really cool to see their, that success and the unbelievable run that they had. That was so much fun. Made it all the way to the final four, right? Like it was just something ridiculous, right? Final four or was it Elite Eight? They, um... They, I know they won there. I can't remember exactly how far they went, but they had Maybe the 15 was, over two wins. Yeah. And I think they, they were made the it to the second weekend to make the sweet 16. Yeah. I remember they made it to the second weekend. It was so yeah. much fun. And as you said, like you had, while you weren't there, you knew all those guys, you coached all those guys, you gave each and every one of them, I'm sure just a sliver of something that they could take with them. That absolutely helped in, in those, in those opportunities. And I think it's, it's just such a cool cool thing to know like it's just such a and what the, the program only started like a couple years before mm-hmm. it actually before they even made the tournament right something ridiculous yeah. like that yeah and you know and i think like that that really is a, like a lot about why i got into coaching was you know I, I wanted to be part of a team and then when i got into coaching i wanted to make an impact on my guys. I wanted to make an impact on their lives and i think what was so cool about that was was it was really the first time i realized that because I, you know, I had guys who were reaching out afterward and I was talking to, and it had been a couple of years and, um, and just to see the impact, and I was only there for one season, but just to see the impact and the community and just how everything, you know, there's just such this sense of pride in where you've been and what you've contributed and whether you're there, you know, running onto the court or not, or whether you were just there. And like you said, had a small impact. It, it still is an amazing feeling that you can really only get from being a coach. I could only imagine what that is like. And, and, you know, we spoke about it a little bit, as, as I said before, New Mexico, Dartmouth. So that's somewhere up here in the Northeast, Florida, Gulf coast and Chicago state. You're jumping all over the place. And you're only staying a couple years at each of these places. The coaching in college, I mean, coaching in general is it's, it's a grind, right? It, it I don't want to say it weeds out people that aren't, capable but it definitely puts a, an amount of stress that most people do not go through i would say 99 percent of people do not go through in their career yeah. at what point was the want to be a coach way outweighed by just the want? and i mean even when you become an athletic director in some capacity you're still moving around a little bit but when did the okay this you know there's another way for me to lead there's another way for me to to connect with these students where I don't have to be on the road however many days a year? Well, you know, I, I think you kind of, you, you kind of, as you go through the business, you kind of gain perspective on what's important. Your life changes, your ability to move around changes. Uh, I'll say, you know, my first job was at Western New Mexico, which is a, a small division two school in the Southwest corner of New Mexico, about 2000 students. And I, I was, I had moved home from, I graduated from Indiana university and I had moved back home to Chicago and I was, trying to pursue this dream of being a college basketball coach. And, um, you know, I, I'm reaching out to coaches and, and the coach of Western Mexico had told me in, I think, you know, maybe late April, early May, that he might have an opening, you know, come the summer, his assistant might leave. So keep in touch. So I started emailing him and, and following up and he eventually had an opening 
And he asked me, he said, you know, I, I can't fly you out. I can't reimburse you for any travel. But if you can come out here and interview, I will, you know, we'll, we'll see if it works out, but no guarantees. So, you know, that's enough for me. So, I, you know, I got in the car and I drove from Chicago to Silver City, Mexico, which is about mm. 24 hours, about 1600 miles. And we interviewed and that day he offered me the job at the end of the night. And, you know, my ability to do that at 22 years old, right out of college, um, you know, was something that I was really fortunate for. And I was really fortunate at the opportunity. And I just said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to do it. But as you kind of get eight, 10, 12 years into your career, you have, you know, you have kids, you have a family, you, you know, have a house, you're trying to provide stability, you're trying not to move everybody around, you know, you're trying to weigh your partner's needs and their career. It gets harder to say, okay, now I'm going to move from Chicago to New Mexico, to Seattle, to Florida, you know, and, and, and that's something where eventually with me, like you said, my priorities needed to shift. I needed to look for another way to make an impact after being at some different schools and um, kind of looking around at the landscape of college athletics. And I was fortunate to have the opportunity to move into administration where I, I basically went from having a very large impact on a small number of athletes as a coach, which is tremendous, to being able to have a broader impact, some big, some small, on a much larger group of student athletes across all sports. Yes. And I think that, you know, obviously we're all trying to impact people, right? And we're all trying to impact people for the good. And you, you again, it weighed out the, the opportunity that you can, it's a little easier for you, right? But it's also uh, more impactful for you as well, which I think is really important. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious with, with everything that you've done in your career, right? You've coached at many different schools, many different students. You've been up and down the ranks in, in college. At what point did you realize how important your leadership was not just leadership in general, but what you could offer the experiences that you have found that the stories that you could share. When did you realize that you had maybe not a gift that's being a little dramatic, but like having an opportunity to really impact someone through your leadership? Yeah. You know, honestly, for me, it, it took me a while. Um, you know, I, again, I, you know, I, I wasn't a college athlete. I just kind of broke into college coaching out of nowhere so it took me a while in coaching to figure out what my style was, what my, you know, what my leadership behaviors were, how I should kind of handle myself around the players. So really for me at my first few jobs, New Mexico, Dartmouth, Florida Gulf Coast, I was really just figuring it out. I was just trying different things. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, for me, I always cared the most about building relationships with my players. I, I just, it was just so important to me that they knew me and I knew them outside of basketball. And so that was always the, the one leadership thing, even though I didn't totally know it at the time that I always gravitated towards. And then it was a couple of years, I think it was about my third year when I was at Chicago State. So about, about six, seven years now into my college coaching career, where I really found my voice behind that, where I really started realizing some of the specific things that were unique to me. Like I'm very positive. I, I don't really swear. I don't really cuss at players try to be very positive. Like I said, I try to build relationships. So I started noticing some of those leadership characteristics and kind of started putting, connecting some of those leadership dots and realizing, okay, you know, that, that sort of sounds like transformational leadership. I'm really positive. I try to communicate clearly, things like that, and, and try to put it together and, and be kind of more intentional about it. Um, but it took me a while to figure it out. Just a lot of trial and error, a lot of watching other coaches 
Um, a lot of interacting with players, asking them questions about what's working, what's not working, and and just kind of figuring it out as I go. I think open communication is very important. Um, one comment I want to make, I'm sure if you don't swear, that one time you do, it really hits home. And it, I'm sure it very much impacts whoever you're speaking to, especially if they know you well. So we don't have to go into that story, but I'm sure you got a couple of those. Uh, you said something that's really interesting, and I'm kind of curious. You you want to make sure that the athletes and the students know you outside of being a coach, I guess. And, and I'm sure it's all subjective, but for you personally, where is that line between becoming too much of a friend versus being that slightly authoritative figure, understanding like, Hey, you, you have to do what I say because I am the coach, but at the same time, you know, you kind of want to be buddy, buddy. Like where is, I guess that line for you personally in your leadership style? Yeah. So that, you know, that was a real struggle for me in my first job at Western Mexico. I was going to say, especially when you were younger, you're what, two, three years older than some of these guys. I'm sure it's just buddy, buddy all the time. Yeah. And you know, what was, what was so amazing about that experience was, you know, I got there and I was, I was 22 years old, fresh out of college and, you know, at division two, you know, you could play longer. Your clock is not as rigid as it is division one. Uh, you have a lot of, you know, you, we have some, some student athletes who've been at junior college. We had guys in their fifth year, sixth year. We had one guy who was 28 years old who had, he had been in college. He had left, he had gone out into the world and worked. He had come back to school. Um, so he was like a big brother to me and he was a junior on the team in terms of basketball. Um, and about half the team was either my age or older. So that was a real struggle for me early on. And I think that's where I kind of figured out that, you know, I, I know I can't be their friend, but I still want to have a relationship with them that's based on something else outside of basketball where I tell them, you know, these are my interests. This is what I like to do. What's going on with you? How's your family? What are you interested in? And I, I think I kind of naturally gravitated towards that as a way to kind of be closer to the players who were my age and we had a lot in common but not cross that line of now we're friends. Um, but it was hard navigating it for a while. And, you know, I definitely went to the extremes at times where, you know, with certain players that I was having trouble kind of connecting with, maybe go too far towards being a friend with other players who were just, I didn't feel like were totally respecting me, maybe go too far towards, like you said, being a little more authoritative with, kind of how I treated them. And and it was definitely a trial and error process, but it's definitely something I think that, you know, I think people are aware of when they're young coaches, but it, you know, it's, I think kind of figuring out what are some of those leadership things early on that are important to you and kind of, I mean, I was lucky. I kind of naturally gravitated towards it, but kind of working through some of those things as well could, could make it a lot easier of a transition. Yeah, I'm sure it was very difficult in the beginning, but it taught you a significant amount about leadership, which is the name of the game, right? You probably weren't going to be at Western New Mexico for your entire career, I'm assuming. So as obviously evident, but, you know, obviously trial and error is very important in getting to understand who you are, right? Mm -hmm. As a basketball coach, as you said, you've never done this before. You never played college basketball. So I think that part's very important. So I do want to obviously talk about the book. Uh, you are the author of Lead Like a Pro. Checked Amazon earlier today. It's up. So anybody out there, I will have the link in the show notes there on YouTube as well as on the podcast. So please, please, please go check that out. You can get it. Very excited to read it myself. Um, so I guess from coaching, you then, as you said, you got into administration in the athletic director in, in some type of athletic director role. And you have been for some time now because you realize you could impact so many more student athletes lives that way 
you brought up transformational leadership. So I'm going to ask you to explain exactly what that is. And then where did you start to look into other types of leadership and try and understand all these different things that are going on in, in a world that you only joined a, a few short years ago? Yeah, you know, what? what's so interesting, and, and my journeys had a lot of twists and turns that, that I didn't expect. And and when I thought there was a twist, I realized it was, you know, something else entirely. But when I went to Western New Mexico, um, you know, at the time, in order for me to take the job, I had to be enrolled in grad school. And I really had no desire to go to grad school. I really only cared about becoming a coach. But if you could become a coach, I had to go to grad school, then, you know, I'll, I'll take the GREs and, and let's sign up for classes. So when I got to Western New Mexico and enrolled in the, you know, in, in the grad school program, you know, kind of looked around at what are my options. So I met with my counselor and she told me that based on my undergraduate degree being in history and classical studies, she said, we have two programs you could, you could get into, educational leadership or counseling. And I looked at the courses side by side and counseling was 42 credits because it had an extra summer internship of six credits. And education leadership was 36 credits, four semesters done. And so I picked educational leadership. And, you know, I started taking the funny how some things work out like that. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's just would you look at that? And now you're here. Like, it's just I love that stuff. I, I had no idea. Um, and, you know, I started taking the classes and I started like thinking to myself, okay, like I was in the classes with all these teachers and just started thinking about the parallels of coaching and teaching and leadership and trying things out. So, you know, I was aware of leadership styles and kind of some, some, some things about leadership practice. Uh, so kind of, as I went through my career, something like transformational leadership always stuck with me because it just kind of aligned with what was important with me. So it's based on, you know, individual considerations. So really focusing on building personal relationships with you know, your athletes. It's built on inspirational motivation. So being really positive, uplifting, uh, just trying to inspire and motivate your athletes through positive and clear communication. So, you know, those types of things were kind of you know, intrinsic to my own, my own style, my own personality. Uh, so I kind of gravitated towards that. Um, you know, as I talk about tell some stories in the book, I had some other trials and tribulations with other leadership styles and maybe not practicing them the best way and, and having some some kind of crazy and, and difficult outcomes. But, um, you know, that was something for me where my, my leadership journey got started at the beginning, but I was so focused on coaching and, and basketball and X's and O's that early in my career, I really underestimated the impact of leadership. It wasn't until, you know, you know, years later, six, eight years into my career where I started realizing, okay, like I am doing things that are part of my leadership practice that are either helping me or hurting me. I need to start focusing on what those things are and highlighting the ones that are positive and changing the ones that are negative and really becoming intentional about my leadership. So um, it was something that, you know, really progressed over time. But, you know, I, again, I was just fortunate to have that that decision faithfully go in my direction uh, at the start of my career. Isn't it funny, man? I love that. And I think, I mean, obviously, you're you were 22. You're going to do some things that you're not supposed to, right? Like, where, it would be so boring if at 22 we knew everything. Of course, at 22, you think you know everything, right? Sure. Uh, the older you get, it turns out you start to realize, well, maybe there's some things I can learn. So I think that's part's pretty important. And I, I'm kind of curious, like, you, so you, you were talking about your personality and how you gravitated towards this specific type of leadership, but you tried others. Now, I'm sure you've 
grab some things from different leadership styles that works for you. But how hard is it to, I guess, explain it to me. Like, is there, is, do I have a particular leadership style because of my personality or should I try certain ones to see which mesh with my, like, is it chicken or the egg? Is it the personality or is it the leadership style? Which one comes first? I think that's the easiest way to ask that question. So I think it's a combination of both. So I, mm. I think because of your personality and your beliefs and your values, you're going to naturally gravitate towards certain leadership styles and leadership behaviors, just like I did with transformational leadership. Uh, you know, other coaches who have a different voice, a different different belief system, they might gravitate to elements of of other leadership styles. You know, I, I know a lot of like a, a very popular leadership style for coaches is servant leadership. So you're really focused on putting the needs of your athletes first and foremost. And it's not to say that that's not important to me. It is. And I think there are elements of that in my, in my practice, but it's, it was never a kind of key behavior that I kind of just naturally honed in on. I've tried it at different times, tried to incorporate it in different ways, but it wasn't, it didn't come very naturally to me. And I think that's so important about leadership. And one of the big reasons why I wrote the book is I think a lot of coaches in my experience uh, and just from having conversations, a lot of coaches are trying to figure out what's best for them, what's best for their leadership practice by watching others do it who are successful or reading about what other successful coaches are doing. And I think you kind of miss a key step there, which is, you know, I'm not John Wooden, so I can't do exactly what John Wooden does and be successful. I could, I could pick up tips and, and different things and incorporate them. But at, you know, at the end of the day, I need to find a leadership practice and style that aligns best with me and, and in order for me to be successful. And then I can incorporate some other things. And I think that's a really common mistake. I've done it. I've tried to emulate the leadership style of, of coaches that I've worked for, and it, and it hasn't worked out well, or it's been very hit or miss. So that was, I, I think you, it's a great question. I think that's why it has to be a combination of both. So how do you find the leadership style that's best for you? I'm sure there's many different leadership styles out there. Is there one of those like um, like red, blue, green, yellow tests? Like, oh, if you answer these questions this way, try this one first. So then, you know, try a couple of the ones around it. Like, how do you find the best leadership style for you? So I, I think, you know, I, kinda, I read about this in the book. I, you know, it comes down to kind of two things. So one is figuring out what's important to you. What type of person are you? So I know that, you know, being part of a team is really important to me. I know that I want to have relationships with my players. I know I'm very positive. At the same time, I'm figuring that out. I've got to know about different leadership styles. So I've got to know or be able to get knowledge on transformational leadership. So I, I, I encourage people in the book, as I'm kind of talking up through some of my experiences, trying to figure out my leadership practice, to be thinking about what's important to you. You know, what, why are you doing this? What do you hope to get out of it? How do you want to get there? How do you want the players to see you? How do you want to be perceived? You know, asking those types of questions while at the same time trying to explain these are, you know, great leadership styles like transformation leadership, servant leadership, democratic leadership for athletic coaches and kind of trying to, to pair up both of those at the same time. So coaches are figuring out, okay, I'm very positive this matches up with this leadership style and, and kind of, I, I talk about it, bridging the leadership gap. You know, this is, this is me. This is the type of person that I am. These are the leadership styles. Now we got to fill in the middle and figure out how they both come together to, 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 you know, figure out what your best leadership style is. 
And I'm sure as you know, you alluded to a little bit, you're going to learn from other people, you're going to learn from other styles, I'm sure certain things in one style work a little bit better, and you can kind of pull it over. So I'm sure it's very amoebas. It's very, uh, there's, I'm sure there's Venn diagrams to most of this stuff, not just a single circle uh, in many places. So I guess for you personally, Matthew, where, like, where, when was the like, light above the head moment? They're like, I should write a book on this. I've been doing this for a little while. Like maybe I should just put some of these thoughts down on a piece of paper. I should have an editor just rip it apart a couple times and then go to town and see what it looks like at the end. <laughs> if only it was just a couple times. I know, right? Um, but you know, for me, once I started, once the kind of light bulb went off in my head and I, I really picked up on the importance of leadership and the impact that I could have by changing some of my leadership uh, behaviors or being intentional about other ones, um, you know, I decided to, you know, based on how things my career was going, how college athletics looked, I'm always somebody who believes that it's extremely important to make yourself different. You know, why is somebody going to look, a coach going to look at my resume versus somebody else's and say, I want Matthew on my team or on my staff. So I decided I was getting really interested in leadership again, and, and I kind of had the background in it. So I decided to go back to school and pursue a doctorate in educational leadership while I was coaching at Chicago State. And, um, you know, I had a professor very early on who she was a big sports fan and she really liked basketball. And she kind of steered me in the direction of doing a dissertation on what's the best leadership style and behaviors for coaches. And it kind of evolved from there. And, And during the course of my research, I figured out you know, these are better leadership styles for coaches versus other ones. And then I kind of saw there was this leadership gap where coaches are practicing some leadership behaviors, but they really want to be practicing others. And and that's where from that research, I, I wrote a, a dissertation that nobody will ever read except for my committee. And I, I kind of sat back afterward and looked at it. And I thought to myself, I, I think this could be a book. I think this is important. I think that it could have an impact on coaches. They could learn from it. And so then I went to work just pulling things out of it, adding things to it. Um, I try to, you know, my style is I try to combine academic with storytelling. So here's some academic information, try to present it in a, in a way that people can understand because that's how I would need it and tell a bunch of stories as examples so that people understand the real world of how this is applicable. And that was kind of how I got, you know, from point A to B to C, you know, all the way through till, till publication of the book publishing a book man i did it last year it was very difficult so kudos and congratulations to everyone that has done it it is pretty darn cool to kind of see your name i don't know if you have a cool screenshot but mine uh, i was above moneyball for like probably like 36 hours so i got that screenshot (laughs) it is saved probably gonna frame it one of these days but no it's such a cool process and i think it's really important that you saw Right. Like how many people like every student that become like goes through doctorate, right? You have to write some sort of just ridiculous paper. You're totally right. Nobody's actually going to read it. But you realize that there's an opportunity to take all that work you just did. Right. You got the doctorate. Great job. Hopefully you're getting paid more money now at the school that you're at. But more importantly, you can impact more lives, which that seems like to be one of the main themes of this is you're trying to impact more lives for the good. So I I guess I'm kind of curious. Who is this book for? You bring up coaches a lot. Obviously, your background is in coaching. Your background is in college athletics. But can someone like me who, you know, I mean, I don't have a kid yet, but I'm totally going to coach their t-ball team when we get there. Like, can can someone like me utilize this book? Can someone like some of my friends 
utilize this book because it's very, very important? Maybe we can draw lessons in work and in just in life in general from it. Absolutely. So I, I didn't want to just write a book for college coaches or professional coaches because everybody is a leader in a different way. And, you know, like for me, you know, I have a four-year-old and, you know, I want to coach her team. That's going to require a much different leadership style than me coaching 18 to 22 year olds at the division one level. So I, I tried to write a book that I would want to read to help me do that. But that also, you know, brings in high school coaches, college coaches, that they can learn something from it as well. Because the thing I learned from my, from my dissertation, and that was on college basketball coaches, was even at the collegiate level, where this is your full-time job, there was a big gap between the leadership styles coaches thought they were practicing and the ones they were actually practicing. And I thought to myself, if this is happening at the collegiate level with division one, two, and three head coaches, you know, I, I want to write something accessible for high school coaches, youth sport coaches, volunteer parents, so that they've got something that they could that could help them try to get ahead in terms of you know what they can do in these different leadership scenarios because it, it's not just about going out there and rolling the ball out and saying you know let's go play soccer. There's so much more to it, even as a parent coaching youth sports. So I felt like I wanted to write something that could help them on that journey and be kind of a a guide for them to kind of build some some leadership practice when they started going out there and coaching their kids teams. And what has come from the book, right? Like I personally wrote my book because I want to become a speaker. I love talking in this microphone. So why not just do it on a stage, right? So that's one of the big reasons, obviously, to help people. But I really want to become a speaker. I think that would be a lot of fun. I want to be a college professor. I think you and I have had that conversation a little bit already. But I guess what have you seen? What are some of the positives? What are some of the evolutions, the successes that you've seen from writing this book? And in really just the impact that you've seen on other people that have read it? You know, I, I think the biggest thing has been People realizing, and I've noticed this the most with parents and youth sport coaches, realizing the importance of leadership and the impact that it can have for them as a coach and on their kids. So, you know, just a, a, a quick example, like for me, you know, I'm watching, I'm out there watching my four-year-old play soccer, right? And she's done, she's done two different lessons and both coaches were great. I mean, they were both great. Uh, you know, they're just, they're volunteers. They're doing a great job. And the first coach, his style, it, it wasn't as engaging as the second coach was. His leadership was a little different. He talked a little more, whereas the other coach demonstrated a little more. He talked, when he talked, it was more on their level. You know, he would make jokes. He wasn't moving through things so quickly. So even though I thought they both did a great job, I'm watching this second coach and realizing he's got leadership behaviors that are engaging these kids more to where my four-year-old isn't running off the field every five minutes asking me for a snack and, and, and you know, water. And, and I kind of thought to myself, you know, I want to look for that in terms of people who are reading the book. And, you know, I think so far I've gotten a lot of great feedback from coaches at all levels, but particularly from parents and youth sport who are saying, I never thought of myself in this way as a coach, but now I realize, you know, the importance of, okay, I want everybody to have fun and learn a few skills. There's a way that I can do that to be more effective. And, and that's been the biggest thing for me is now realizing that I'm hopefully helping a whole crop of, of coaches at all levels become more effective, which is going to have a bigger positive impact on the kids that they're coaching. 
That is fantastic. Again, now you're you're affecting many to affect many, many, many more, which, right, that is the ultimate goal. If you can affect one person and they can affect another, affect, not infect, geez, that's awesome. But when you can affect many people and then they can take that word that you have given them and, and help even more, now you're really getting somewhere. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. Matthew, this has been wonderful is there anything else i missed i think we pretty much covered anything else from the book maybe a couple cool interviews uh do we get to talk about bobby knight and his style because i'm sure that's a little different than most right you know i um i don't call anybody out in the book um just initials though right just initials yep right i just uh you know i keep the stories to myself my successes and failures people to learn from um but you know it's one of those things where you know i think they're I think, you know, when we kind of look around, there's so many places for us to learn if we kind of know what to look for. And, you know, I, I kind of wrote the book and, and, and the big thing that, that I wanted to leave from the book and, and tell everybody is there is no perfect leadership style. You cannot read the book. And at the end, I will tell you what the perfect leadership style is. There isn't a perfect leadership style. Everybody is different. Everybody has different leadership style and it's going to work differently for everybody. The most important thing is finding the best leadership style for you. And that comes from leadership knowledge and aligning that with your personal values and beliefs so you could be the coach and leader you want to be. And I think that's so important is leadership practice is unique. And, you know, that's why I wanted to write the book and say, look, here is a bunch of different leadership styles and behaviors. And these were failures and successes that I had with different ones. Your journey is going to be totally different, but here's a bunch of tools to help you along that journey. And I really hope that coaches can take those tools and just run with them and build their leadership practice and just be fantastic, awesome, effective leaders for their kids and and have a huge impact. Coaches and people, right? I'm excited to learn about it and, and read it because maybe I could use it at work. Maybe it can help right with the people around me because I like to impact others as well in the, in the most positive way. So I think that's really important. Matthew, where can we, I mean, I already said Amazon, right? I looked in, it's, it's, it's available on Amazon. Is it audiobook? Is it ebook? Is it hardcover, softcover? Where can we find it? Where can I buy it? Where can we get it? So it's softcover um, and you can get it Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, um, and it's not in audio or ebook. I really wanted a physical book, um, because I wanted, I, I, you know, my hope is that it's one of those books that coaches are dog-earing and coming back to and bring to their office and highlighting. You know, yep. Yep. And, and I really wanted that to be the initial impact of the book. So, you know, um, soft cover, but, you know, buy it, uh, buy it everywhere. I love it, man. This has been fantastic. And where can, if anyone needs to reach out to you or through social media or anything, where, where would you, where would you prefer them to go? Uh, the best thing for me is, is LinkedIn. Um, I try to be really engaged there and, you know, just kind of also one thing I did want to say to kind of tie it in with, with business is, and you know, my, my, my best friend is in business and, and he tells me this all the time and I, I am believing it is that, you know, coaches want to be CEOs and CEOs want to be sports coaches. And I'm starting to believe that. And so like you just said with, with, you know, in your workplace that just, you know, the light bulb went off in my head about what he always tells me that it, you know, I, I, I would encourage people also, even if you're not a coach right now, or you're, or you're, you know, maybe not even planning to be a coach, there's a lot of elements of athletic coaching that are applicable to a lot of different workplaces. So I always encourage people to look at what others are doing in different spaces 
Uh, I always try to do that, find out what, you know, my friends are doing leadership wise who are outside of athletics and seeing if that could work for me. So, you know, I encourage, you know, people in business or really any career to, to check out the book as well, because I really think you'll be able to find some some tools and and some you know Easter eggs that'll be able to help you with your leadership journey and whatever your profession is as well. I love it. This has been absolutely fantastic. Matthew Raidbard, college athletics administrator, author of Lead Like a Pro, available pretty much everywhere you buy books, founder of Raidbard Sports Leadership Consulting. Matthew, this has been fantastic. I appreciate you giving me some of your time today, man. Thanks so much for having me on. This was a blast. I really appreciate it. Yes.